Good morning. My name is Carlson. I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> By the grace of God, a sponsorship. I've been sober since August 10th, 1981. <laughs> you all look great this morning, huh? I was thinking why I'm here, and I'm here because of the 12 steps. And then I thought, why a roundup? And I think it's to show that it works. You know, it works for all of us. Uh, when I got sober, started to get sober, I was really young. And there was other really young people around. Not a lot. There was old people. There were people that had moved in, moved out. I've gone around a couple places in AA, and uh, I think that's the beauty of AA, that it works for everybody. You know, there's no one that I've known that has tried and failed. And it's just the way it is for me. Uh, I should tell you that I'm from Connecticut. Uh, me and John are the only ones here from Connecticut. <laughs> I lived on the shore. Uh, it's a beautiful little town. Uh, I had a relatively normal childhood. Uh, there are other things that were weird about it, and I look back, and it's almost like there's two childhoods. The one I felt I had, and the one that I look back and see. Uh, I always thought I was really odd, and I couldn't figure out why I really felt odd. And... Uh, I think what was really weird about it was that I felt different and I didn't think that they felt the way I felt. You know, I went through all the same things little kids do. You know, you go to grade school, you're afraid. Uh, I didn't know they were all afraid. I always thought that they all had the answers and I didn't. Uh, for some reason, I picked up certain habits that are really unpopular. Uh, I never admitted I was wrong when I was little. Uh, I don't know why, but even, uh, I know in second grade I was getting fights. And I really thought that I really, at this point, I'm fighting with people that I like. And I should admit that I'm wrong, because it's obvious. Uh, but I didn't, you know, and I started alienating people way back then. I hadn't drank. Uh, I was really shy because I was afraid of all these people that were different than me. Uh, whenever I walked into a room, I saw all of them, and they seemed to know what they were doing, and I was the outcast. Uh, looking back, I know now that it was just me. Uh, there were other kids, one of my friends, I thought was, you know, had the perfect childhood. Uh, I've later found out that he didn't have such a great childhood, and I never noticed that. Uh, kind of disturbed me. I was uh, like a couple years sober at the time, and I would have thought I would have noticed, but I was consumed with myself way back then. The big book tells us that it's our self-centeredness that really gets us in problems, uh, creates our big problems. Uh, I know excuse me, that my sister is now also in AA. When I got sober, she was already sober, and I had never noticed that she drank. Uh, you would think, in the same house, you've got to notice, you know, but I was consumed with myself. Uh, when I first started drinking, I would like to remember my first drink. No one told me it was going to be real important. You know, I'd get sober someday, and everybody, would, most people know, uh, was really young. Uh, I used to make drinks for my parents, and I'd steal what I could, and it just seemed like the natural thing to do. I don't know why I thought I wanted that stuff, but I just wanted it. Uh, maybe just because they told me I couldn't have it. You know, I was the kind of kid that I just wanted to do things that I wasn't supposed to do. You know, most things I wouldn't just because I knew the, you know, the consequences of them. And for some reason, when, when it came to alcohol, I just for some reason instinctively knew it was worth it. You know, uh, at some point when I was really young, my uncle that has the same name tried to get me drunk. And he had offered me shots. And whenever he'd offer me a shot, I was just a little kid, it wouldn't be worth it. I took one once and my mother came in. And I, up to that point, I'd be sitting around chatting with them, you know, mostly just listening and enjoying myself. But then when, when that happened, my mother would send me to my room, just so my uncle wouldn't get me drunk. And it wasn't worth it. He'd offer me one, and no way would I take it, because I wanted to sit there and enjoy their company. But then one time, he offered me six shots. And somehow, I don't know how I knew it, I had never felt the effect before, but I knew six shots would be worth it. I would go to my room for that. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't remember how old I was then, huh? 
I just know at some point I was with my brothers and my sisters and my parents were away or something and he let me drink. He just said, sure, you know, why not? If you want to, I don't know why I wanted to, but I had four beers and I remembered how uh, insignificant that seemed. I thought four beers shouldn't be a big deal. You know, I saw people drink a lot. Of course, like Brad pointed out, I'm small. Uh, at that time, I was really small. Uh, you know, I was I was 70 pounds up into like seventh grade or something like that. And so four beers, I was totally drunk. And uh, I remember walking into the bathroom and I was away from the crowd and my brother and his friends and stuff. And I was trying to go to the bathroom and probably making a mess, actually. And I thought, this is great. Now I know why everybody puts the emphasis on it. You know, I thought, of course my dad drinks a lot because this is great. I fell in love with it. You know, the fears that I had, uh, a lot of people say it made them taller. You know, uh, I always had a high forehead, so I could say that it gave me hair. And of course, now that would be nice, but it doesn't. I don't know that I felt taller or mean or strong or anything I wanted to be, but the way I was was okay when I drank. I felt that it's okay. Uh, half of the people might dislike me, but that's okay too, you know. Uh, almost the attitude I have now. You know, if you don't like me, that's your problem. Well, that's the way I was when I drank. You know, and for a long time, that's the way it was, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, I couldn't drink a lot. I was probably maybe second grade or something. I mean, you just, it's not available. Uh, but when I had a chance, and whenever I had a chance, I would drink. Uh, I was probably, I think it was seventh grade or eighth grade or something, and I was moved to a different school. I felt really outcast. I was, uh, of course, as I pointed out, they were all different, so I was afraid to try to make friends or anything. And uh, it just seemed like if I partied, I, I thought for whatever reason that if I partied, I'd be accepted. And of course, the worst person in that whole school was a private Catholic school. Uh, the only kid that had, I mean, he was like in first grade stealing things, getting in trouble. And uh, when he was in eighth grade, I was in eighth grade, and I started hanging around with him. It just seemed like a good thing to do. And we started having fun. You know, we'd party in school, and in a Catholic school, they don't really suspect it. I suppose in private, a public school, they might have suspected, but we could do anything we wanted. Uh, we felt important. You know, you really, uh, it's almost like when I think back, that was, if it was always like that, I would still be drunk, you know, because everything was okay. I could still control it. Uh, we'd usually, at the latest party, or at the earliest, we'd party at lunchtime, maybe, but usually it was after school or on weekends, and we'd go to dances and drink, and it worked for me, you know, uh, but that didn't last, unfortunately, very long. Uh, it started to where we'd go to dances, and I would drink just so that I could at least talk to people, but then I was drunk. And then my first girlfriend in eighth grade, you know, said, if you have to do that, then I don't want to be near you. Uh, and actually, it was me and him, and we had girlfriends that were friends, and uh, they cornered each one of us individually and said, if you want to go out with me, you'll have to quit. And I laughed, you know, and I just, I thought, if it wasn't for that, there was no way, I wouldn't even be able to talk to you if it wasn't for drugs and alcohol. You know, there's no way I could have ever even approached you. She was one of the pretty girls in school. And I still knew, I knew in my heart that I was still the little puke. I was just a punk, a wimp, a, a nobody. And if it wasn't for booze and drugs, I wouldn't have ever been able to even talk to anybody like that. You know, I was always afraid of people like that. So when she said that, I laughed, you know, and I went on uh, high school. We switch, you know, you switch schools and I went to a public high school. So uh, most of my friends that were in private school, I lost most of them. And we'd occasionally keep getting together and we always got in trouble. And uh, the police started getting involved. Uh, kind of interesting my parents my dad's an alcoholic now recovering and uh, for some reason they chose to totally unaccept my my party you know they I had friends that had parents that just kind of gave up in futility or whatever didn't know or weren't aware or my parents were very much aware and very much against it and they did everything they could to stop me you know uh somewhere in there my dad got a skin cancer called lupus 
And one out of ten people get the kind that don't kill you. But nine out of ten get the kind that kill you. And I thought, well, that's okay because I hate him, you know, because we were constantly fighting. And I had to think. I had like a moment of clarity. And I thought, no, I don't hate him. I love him. And it's because he's my father, obviously. And the reason why I think I hate him is because of all the trouble I've been causing. You know, and I thought about it for a minute. It couldn't have been even a minute. And I thought, well, if I had a son doing what I was doing, I would do what he was doing. You know, and uh made me realize for just a little while that what I was doing was really wrong. You know, that there's there's no justification. I had a zillion reasons why I did what I did. You know, I had one friend that said, uh, there's a Who song that says it's my generation. You know, I missed it. I missed uh, Woodstock. I was mad about that. I hate to tell you. I was like six and I couldn't go. You know, I thought that's where I belong. You know, I would have really fit in with those people, you know, but those people like that were still out there and I really didn't fit. Even in the partying thing, I love those people. Uh, I think the one thing, there was always excitement. Even when it wasn't working, there was still the excitement. My brother was uh, like me, we'll say. Uh, my sister, of course, was partying. All our friends were partying, and we had police running around all the time. And, uh, you know, my dad was at his peak of his career. So, you know, alcohol really brought a lot of, you know, I was going to school with these kids that were having normal life, and then I had my life, and I didn't like what it was doing to me, but I liked my life better than that. You know, I thought, they're living boring life. You know, I mean, we are having fun. We are sneaking out windows. We are breaking walls. We are breaking fences. Uh, my brother tried to kill my father. Most kids can't say that. Uh, <laughs> They didn't, you know, we stopped him. I personally took the gun and got rid of it. Uh, we had an FBI inquiry in the household thing, you know. It was fun. You know, I just thought, this is exciting. Those people are living that boring life. But when I was doing it, you know, when I was partying, it stopped the, the fear that I used to have, that I always had, that alcohol used to take away. It started to come back in different forms. And I really thought that, like a lot of people mentioned, it's the combination. You know, I did drugs in alcohol and I did you know I never needled or anything like that most kids don't it's just because it wasn't there you know uh, I did whatever I could get my hands on that would mess up my brain you know because I always I always had hope when it came to the drugs and alcohol for some reason even though it had stopped working for a long time I had hope that it would work you know that would make me fit in again Uh, one of the the funnier episodes is in eighth grade uh, I had dyed my alcohol. For some reason, I got this brilliant idea. I would get really crazy brilliant ideas. Uh, I didn't believe in God, so I didn't blame them on God. I thought they were like this. I was brilliant, so obviously I would have these great ideas. And I put dye in vodka. I don't know how they do it with beer and make it so it don't screw you up. But when you put green dye in vodka and you get drunk, you become green. <laughs> Not a pretty sight. Even my brother, which bought me the vodka... Uh, I did everything I could get my hands on, and for some reason there was more around that day. Uh, I ended up at a video arcade, puking green stuff all over the place. The police came. I hit a policeman, which even I'm smart enough to realize you can't win when you're that drunk, and it's just going to get him mad at you. You don't hit policemen. But I wasn't in the, the right state of mind. I hit the policeman. I wake up. I'm in an ambulance, uh, and you just, this is not a good thing to do when you're in eighth grade. I could figure this out. They're going to be mad. Everybody's going to be mad, and this is definitely going to screw up my drinking. Uh, I'm going to be grounded for sure. Uh, there's just no way about it. I had long hair because I wanted to be a punk, a freak from the 60s, and uh, I knew my hair was going to get cut. Uh, that was the punishment whenever I got caught. They gave up on grounding because I just kept sneaking out. Uh, when I came to in the hospital, they kept wondering why I was green. No one would believe them that it was green, you know, dying the vodka. They wanted to know the miracle drug that made me green that they had to get out of me. Uh, 
started pulling this hose, you wake up. I didn't know this. I always thought a little tab in your nose. I don't know why I thought I was getting oxygen. Uh, when they pump your stomach, they suck it out of your nose. And that's disgusting. Uh, they said I would have died. I doubt it. I thought they screwed up a good drunk myself. You know, I mean, when you get rid of it, you're going to... It was bad. Uh, I figured I'd lay off. I don't know. I just, uh, I just thought for some reason that I had control over my drinking. You know, I always kind of thought that even though I was raising hell and getting in all sorts of trouble, I thought that I had control. Uh, I thought, well, I'll just stop doing it for a couple months. They'll start treating me like a normal kid, you know, let me go over to people's houses. And, uh, hell, my brother used to be able to go on camp out. They would never trust me that long away from them. They knew what I would do. Uh, couldn't disagree with them. That's why I wanted to go on a camp out so I could, you know, raise hell. Uh, I figured I'd go for a month or two and, you know, let things calm down. I couldn't make it. You know, I, I, I would try and I, and I would, I like to think it doesn't do me any good, but I do it all the time anyway. And I think this is interesting. I'm walking down the hall of school and I'm thinking, I really want to get screwed up, but I don't, I know I shouldn't. And I'd be thinking, you know, most out, you know, I had, I had been ordered to Alateen because my dad was drunk when he called the police on me one time and uh, the cop had the presence to send me there. I'm not sure if he was confused or, I know we were all confused because I told him I was born in 69. That would have made me like a seven year old. Uh, they pointed it out like in five minutes later. Wait, uh, this would make you seven years old. Uh, anyway, I'm walking down the, the hall in school thinking, I really want to get screwed up and I really know I shouldn't. And this is interesting, you know, and that was interesting for about a, Maybe two hours, because two hours later I was partying again. Uh, and I'd go home that night and I was in trouble again. And I thought, today started like every other day. And I knew when I woke up that morning that I didn't want to party that day. And, and it was just really cut and dry. I couldn't control it. You know, it was going to happen to me and I knew it. Uh, I continued for, I don't know, a couple months trying. I could make it a little while and then I'd end up screwed up and, uh, Finally, out of a moment of stupid desperation, really stupid, don't ever mention to someone in AA that you think you have a problem, unless you want to get help, and I didn't. But my sister was in AA, it's kind of a dirty trick, I didn't know she even drank a lot. Uh, I mentioned to her, I was kind of sobbing to my older sister, how things were screwed up, and how I wanted to stay sober, but I couldn't. Now, she suggested that I do something about it, which wasn't my idea. You know, I mean, I thought, that's stupid. I'm complaining here, you know, don't interrupt it with any solution. This is a problem. You know, I can run this one for five, ten years, easy. You know, shoot. Anyway, when you get back in the corner like that, yeah, I don't know, I, I didn't think it would work. You know, I really, I was still surprised that I, I couldn't control it myself, but I went. Uh, actually, at the time, I, I had been doing more pot because you can, you can smoke pot in school. If you drink in school every day, you're going to get in a lot of trouble. And I drink on the weekends, smoke a lot of pot during the day. So she suggested I go to N.A., and I went there. I got a sponsor. He's a big, burly guy with about, I think his hair was down way past his belt, his belt in the back. And uh, I thought, he's the kind of guy I always wanted to be, you know, big beard. Really, it looked like a hell's angel. Uh, and he was mean to me. I mean, he's downright mean. He was nasty. He was one of those sponsors you hear about, you know. Uh, I was smart enough to realize I didn't want a big, mean, nasty sponsor, uh, even though I wanted to be like him. Uh, he told me to do things that I didn't want to do, and I thought that was ridiculous. You know, I really, I thought, okay, if, you know, if you got cancer, you go get chemotherapy or whatever. If you, you know, if you got, I don't know, if you got a bad tooth, you go to a dentist, they fix you. I'm, I got whatever it is, alcoholism, drug addiction or whatever. I'm going to go, they're going to fix me. Uh, I never knew I'd have to do things I didn't want to do. Uh, I didn't think I was going to have to change my life. You know, I hung around with those same people. I think once a week I'd go to their meetings. Uh, they wouldn't let me talk because I had a mean sponsor that kept saying, shut up. I even had something to say once and he told me to shut up anyway. I was mad. I was going to try to help somebody. I thought I was trying to be egotistical about having been in Alateen. And uh, 
So I got mad at him and switched sponsors and then I started going to AA. It's quite common in NA, at least where I was, that people kind of point out that you, even if you are just a drug addict, you probably won't be able to stay clean without going to AA because you'll drink and then you'll end up doing drugs. And I ended up going to both and uh, I kind of had enough presence of mind to realize that uh, going back and forth between those two can kill people. You know, we saw people that kept switching between the two, uh, doing drugs and not drinking and doing, you know, drinking and not doing drugs, and it kills them, you know, just because they, they always think they're different, you know, and I started going to AA pretty more regularly. Uh, I, I, was, I think I was actually doing what I was told for a little while. Uh, I had certain things. I mean, you couldn't even mention the fact that my girlfriend was underage, uh, a lot underage, really illegal to see my girlfriend. And you'd say something about your girlfriend, you probably don't want to go to jail for 10 years, so why don't you stop seeing your girlfriend? And I told him, that was not one of the things I told you you could help me with. Uh, we've got a list, you know? And I thought it was a big deal, like once a month I'd probably look at my list. It wasn't really a physical list, but when things got really crazy in a certain aspect of my life, I would include that on the things that he could help me with, uh, still on the basis that I won't do it unless I want to. You know, uh, for some reason I really thought that you could stay sober if you didn't do things you didn't want to. I thought all you guys really wanted to do what you were doing. You know, I looked up at the steps. Every one of them I hated. Every one of them. You know, I just thought, who wants the God crap? You know, I knew. I knew that I never wanted to do any of the God stuff. I wasn't going to do the fourth and fifth step. Uh, I was never wrong, so I didn't have to worry about the tenth step, for God's sake. You know, uh, no problem with that one. Just all of them. Every one of them went totally contrary to what I wanted to do, and so I didn't do them. You know, all I knew was that I couldn't drink, and I thought that the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous would keep me sober. I had friends. My sister was in the program, like I said. Uh, her boyfriend was in the program. We got a whole bunch of us, actually. Uh, there was probably ten of us that hung around together, and uh, but they were working steps. They were getting better. They were happy. Uh, I wasn't doing any of that stuff. I was switching sponsors. Whenever they'd get serious, I'd get a new sponsor. Uh, it makes you kind of unpopular, but yeah, there's great excuses, as long as you stick with the extremes. I'd get one really old person, retired, and I got this one really young guy, I had that big guy before. Uh, so there was always, I always had an excuse on why it wasn't going to work. And it wasn't going to work because I wasn't working. Uh, I went to my junior prom and uh, I was nervous. And you know what you do when you're nervous. You know, you take anything you can get your damn hands on. Uh, speed doesn't usually help the nerves, but I thought it might work this time. <laughs> it was crazy. You know, I was... I knew there was a plot against me because they served rice. And everybody knew someone as nervous as me, I'd pick up the rice and watch them dance off my fork. There was no way I was going to be able to eat rice unless I kind of shoveled it in, which they would undoubtedly notice. You know, we're all dressed up and everything. So I started, uh, I did drugs that night. I did, uh, we found some brandy somewhere. We found some, uh, I think it was whiskey or beer or something. You know, we just, we got as much as we could. And we were all partying. I wasn't even supposed to, you know, my parents had dropped me off at the prom, which is really popular in case you have kids. That's really a fun thing to do, have your parents drive you up to the prom. <laughs> Fortunately, I didn't have to see them later. You know, I had picked up a ride. And uh, I can't remember much of the prom other than I didn't do anything too crazy because I had been to AA. And it, it doesn't matter how old you are, I think. I don't know, no matter what. Even, I think, even hearing the, the, the steps and stuff in Alateen kind of screw you up, no matter where you're hearing you know, because you start thinking, I started thinking that maybe they were right. And once you start thinking, maybe they're right, maybe you're an alcoholic, you start noticing that even though those people are doing a lot of the same things you're doing, they seem to have control. They seem to be able to stop when they want to. Uh, I figured this next, when I started drinking again, I just, it was going to be no big deal. I, you know, I had been immature before. Now I'm mature, obviously. I'm going to just party on the weekends, maybe with my jock friend. I had this 
friend when I was young, uh, who's very smart and really athletic, and I figured I'd do what he does. He just drinks on Saturday night, you know, chase a girl's drink. That's, that's what you're supposed to do at high school, and that's what I figured I'd do. I was never gonna buy it again, that's what I thought. You know, I would just, when it was there, that sort of thing. And within, I don't know, that was, it's in the spring when the proms are, and I got sober later in the summer, and that whole thing is a blur to me, you know, uh, I just started doing it the way I had always done it. You know, for me, there's, there's only two ways, sobriety and that other life. You know, some people, that other life is different than it was for me. You know, it might include a job, mine didn't work out well. Uh, I started working with my brother and we did drugs all the time and we drank every weekend and we drank at lunch and, you know, that's just the way I, it had to be for me, you know, uh, and it was killing me. You know, it stopped working. I had like, my last drunk was like, was supposed to be my greatest drunk. Not worse, but great. My father had finally consented to let me have a keg party, which is a landmark thing for him, because my mother was away because she was divorcing him because we were all crazy, and she was right. <laughs> so she's gone. We're having a keg party. But one of my friends is kind of popular. How I got him as a friend is just because we drank the same way. I didn't even like him, but he was popular. He got a bunch of girls to come to the party. I think this is going to be great. It was actually the cheerleading team, which is, this is incredible. This is like a dream come true. And uh, they had vodka, and we bought one of those beer balls. And I just couldn't drink enough beer. It just wasn't working. I wasn't getting drunk. I had heard of this in AA when people had talked about that. You drink and you don't get drunk. And you know something's weird's happening because it's not even working a little. You know, before, it was more like a threshold thing that I was having a problem with. Just a little, you know. I would be drunk, enjoying myself, and maybe a minute later, it was gone, you know. But this one, I wasn't even getting close to it. Uh, I stole their gin. It seemed, you know. I'd go for something concentrated. That would work. That didn't work. I started, you know, there were some drugs around. I took some drugs. That wasn't working. Nothing. You know, uh, the party broke up and, and I had had a crappy time. I had had probably, uh, put it this way. The way I was, my friend, before the party, he came up to me and he was serious, really serious. He said, Carl, do me a favor. We got girls coming tonight. Don't talk. Whatever you do, don't talk. And I understood. I didn't even say, you're a jerk for saying that. I knew exactly what he meant. Don't talk. And I thought, yeah, if you want to have a good time, don't talk. If they, you talk, you know, you talk so weird, people will be gone out of there. And that's just the way it was. Uh, I, after doing all that stuff, everybody had to go and I had to stay and I spent probably six, eight hours up going through a hangover awake. Uh, most hangovers, I always puked every time I drank almost. And I blacked out and I just thought, you know, that's the kind of thing that happens. You know, no big deal. I did it all the time. And so I kind of got used to it. You actually get good at it, you know, where you, you stop making, you don't hit your legs anymore. I was good for hitting my legs at first. But uh, you stay away from the green stuff, whatever you do, that stains things. Uh, but I, I, was awake and I didn't get sick, so it was just enough that it kept you going for a long time and I was kind of drunk and it was hell. You know, I thought, this is not what my life is supposed to be. You know, uh, maybe those people, I didn't like any of you, but those people in AA are right. You know, maybe it doesn't work for me. Uh, so I started going back to AA. You know, it just seemed, it was really odd. I mean, the chances of this happening, I think, are really minuscule. But I was going to, my home group, when I had a, had a, home, a home group, was on Friday. And Wednesday came along, and my little sister, which I never saw her drink either, she's getting sober that day. I think, this is crazy. Uh, two other people come to pick her up. Carl, you want to go to a meeting with us? Maybe, I don't know why they thought they should ask me, but they just asked me. And I said, well, I was planning on getting sober on Friday. But, you know, since the ride's here, I'll go on, I'll go on Wednesday. It won't be the same, though, and I'm not switching home groups. You know, uh, so I went to the meeting, and I think I started to concede that I needed AA. You know, before that, I really thought that I wanted, I kind of wanted, if you don't want to drink, that's where you go. I didn't really want to be there, but at that point, I think I really realized I needed it. You know, my uh, grandfather was sober at the time, 
I think seven years without AA, and I thought strong people like me, strong moral fiber character sort of people don't need AA, and I just thought I was going for a good time. Uh, and at that point, I realized that maybe he can do it. Maybe he's having a good time. Later, he committed suicide, so it wasn't really a good time. But I needed AA. I needed all you people. I needed to hear what you said. I still wasn't willing to do a lot of the things I wasn't. I didn't want to do. You know, I heard uh, I got another sponsor. I was one of those desperation sponsor people. You know, I'd, I'd be really, really hurting. Someone would speak for a person. I felt sorry for him every time because they always seemed to have all the answers when they were speaking. And I'd go up to the guy. Uh, Asked him to be my sponsor. We tried the fourth step again. I blamed everybody else for the way I was again. I have a zillion things to blame it on. Uh, and I didn't get any better. You know, I went probably, I don't know, I was in, in, I was graduating from high school, so I had to do something. And I figured, uh, getting away, I had never done the geographic because my parents weren't going to move because I wanted to. You know, so we stayed. I moved up and down in this room and that room of a house, but that was about it. But this one, it was getting a little crazy. I was getting feeling that Kind of like the way AA was, the way booze was in the beginning. When it worked and then it stopped to work, I felt AA was doing the same. It had worked. You know, at first the police stopped chasing you. And that's a big deal when you're chased by the police regularly. They're not on you. The parents aren't grounding you. A lot of things physically got better. Uh, I could go to school. I decided not to for a long time, but I could if I wanted to. You know, when I went, I could do my work and I... uh Things just a little got better and then months go by and I started feeling like... Like, I might as well drink if it's like this. I really got that why not sort of attitude. You know, I started getting bored in meetings because they were saying that same old stuff. You know, uh, I know now that if, if I'm bored, that's because I'm boring. Uh, when I watch other people in AA, there's there's so much to do. Uh, and I'm not talking about to do like roundups and stuff. That's great. But there's so much growth. Uh, I know for a fact right now I had this discussion less than two weeks ago with my sponsor. Uh, he would rather give his wife $20 that she, my wife lost $20. And I thought that was terrible, but I wasn't going to give it $20, you know. And so we had a little fight. And I talked to my sponsor, you know, telling him how unreasonable she was. And he thought that it was worth $20 not to fight with his wife. And I thought, that's crazy. I'll fight with her for 20 bucks. You know, I'd probably fight for 10 maybe 5 I'm not sure. I wouldn't push it. But I was smart enough. I'm smart enough now to realize that uh, he knows, you know, he gives you one of those questions, would you rather fight with your wife or give her 20 You know the answer he wants. You know, I know the answer I want, but I'm going to give him his answer. And uh, so I gave her the $20. Uh, at the time, I wasn't doing anything like growth, you know. So uh, I had to do something. I joined the Air Force because I was too lazy and too, uh, I don't know, college. I don't think I would have. I probably slept and went to college. So I joined the Air Force because I knew they'd wake me up and give me money. And uh, so when I was picked up by Ross, Ross and Brad picked me up at the airport. It was the second time I'd been to Texas. Uh, it was incredibly better than the first time. You know, the first time I had this big guy screaming at me. Uh, I thought at the time that that was probably, that's where basic training is. And the big guy, uh, actually it wasn't big. I wasn't going to look at him. I had been told never to look at him. There were two, I think they were Southerners, not Texans, because I couldn't understand a word they said. I was from Connecticut and this guy was screaming. There were two of them. I didn't know for like a day that there was two of them. I thought there was one. And there one was four foot something and the other was six foot one. And, uh, but they both talked funny and I just moved and followed the guy ahead of me. This is probably your worst decision in AA, and you should hate everybody that helped you make this decision. It was actually kind of unpopular that the no major decisions in one year. When you graduate high school, you got to do something. You know, uh, I went through it. It was actually kind of got lax after a couple of weeks. Uh, I started doing well. You know, it's pretty easy. Uh, I always think a lot of people say people in AA are overachievers, like we're smarter or something. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but my ego has always depended on being an overachiever. 
I worked my butt off. It was worth it. If you want to be able to get in trouble and not get fired or whatever, you know, you got to build up like credit. And my credit was that I was a good worker. Uh, I did good in basic training. I did exceptionally well in tech school. I didn't go to any meetings because, you know, my tech school was in Mississippi. And those people don't like northern people. And I knew, I knew that they were judgmental, so I wasn't going to go. And uh, it actually made sense to me at the time. They weren't judgmental, so I wasn't going to go. Uh, I know who suffered now. At the time, I was hanging around with some good friends. And uh, one drank a lot and one didn't drink at all. And one was actually probably as good of a friend as I've, normal friend as I've ever had. You know, but when I got in my periods, when I was, you know, being stubborn and I can be a real jerk, he wouldn't say anything. And even when I was in, when I first got sober, the people cared about me enough to say, you're being a real jerk, just shut up, okay? You know, and I would. And I could back out of it. But this guy, he didn't have that. You know, he wasn't in AA, and so he wasn't willing to say, you're being obnoxious or whatever. Uh, it wasn't working. I was going to, uh, we played pool on the weekends, and uh, it was in a bar sort of thing. But it, I didn't think it really counted, because I had never drank in a bar. I was never legal. So it wasn't like I thought I'd slip in there. But something was happening. You know, I could feel it inside myself like I used to feel it when I was drinking and trying to quit. That I felt, even though I knew it wasn't going to work, that I was going to try it. You know, I could feel, it was really crazy. I could feel the compulsion coming on me like, if I don't get out of here in five minutes, that I'm going to drink. And I knew what drinking would mean. You know, I had money now. I had never had a job, real job before. If I had a couple hundred dollars a week, or whatever they paid me, I think it was $500 a month, I could kill myself fast. You know, uh, a lot of people had the sense to build up a whole life and then destroy it with alcohol. Uh, my sense never even got, I couldn't even build up anything. You know, I had never even drank unsupervised. I knew if I drank the way I wanted, it would be, at least I thought, social drinking was every day, at night, you know. You were not social when you drank before you went to work. That's kind of unsocial, you know. If I even tried to do what I aspired to do, my best day would have been hell, you know. Uh, so I got stationed in Nebraska, and I decided for one last time, I don't know why, I was going to give AA a shot, you know. Uh, I, I really didn't think drinking would work, but I couldn't think of anything. I didn't think AA would work either, you know, but I had nowhere else to go. Uh, kind of, I don't know if I thought that much about suicide. It kind of crossed my mind, but life wasn't that bad. I was just crazy, you know. So I went to meetings, and I started uh, being real regular, and they're a real fun, enthusiastic group, and... Uh, it started to work again like when I was new. Uh, but once again, people started saying, well, you know, you got to do the steps. I got a sponsor. He was quite serious. Uh, over there, you're dead meat if you switch sponsors just because you ain't serious. So I wasn't going to do that. Uh, I thought, this time, I'm going to try to do, I'm going to do everything he tells me to do. I thought that would be easy also, but it wasn't. He told me to do things. Uh, he told me to go ask a girl for a date once. That girl pointed right at her. And I know I couldn't do that because I was still different. You know, uh, I chaired a meeting, and his sponsor, which had seen me and seen what had happened to me, I was really obnoxious, and I was really abrasive, and I was probably on my way to getting drunk, he pulled me aside and said, you know, people like you uh, that aren't really in AA don't stay. You know, they drink and they die. And I don't think you want that. Why don't you do another fourth step? And I did a fourth step with the, uh, I had done quite a few of them, I think five at the time, and I did a fourth step again, and for the first time I was trying to think what was different. I told everything. There was nothing that bad in my life that I wasn't willing to tell that on the first fourth step. But this time I admitted that this is what I did and this is what I am responsible for. It's I, There was no blame. The first ones, I should have saved them for fun, but they were just, each one blamed different people. That was the only difference. I blamed him, her, just tons of different people, crazy. You know, I accepted no responsibility for the way I was. And when I did that, there's no hope with that. If If someone else is your problem, you can't change them, you have no hope. 
You know, when I accepted responsibility for the way Carl was, I had hope. You know, because I can change Carl. They told me that. It wouldn't be easy. Uh, I was still kind of unpopular for quite a while. I had a lot to do. Uh, I started doing a lot of the standard things around AA. You know, I relegated myself to doing coffee and chairs. And, you know, in some of the meetings they would let you do a service position. Uh, you start feeling better. You know, I started doing the steps with my sponsor's guidance. And I really wanted them to work. You know, I think before when I did them, uh, the first time I did the third step, I made a decision to tell everybody I had done it. That's all. You know, the idea of actually trying to do God's will. I thought, what a bunch of crap. You know, um, it's almost like I knew they would work. People told me in high school and in grade school all the time, if you did the work, you could get A's. Of course, everybody knew that. I didn't want to do the work. It's like the 12 steps. If you do these steps, your life will get better. I, who wants to be good? If you're good, you'll be happy. You know, I didn't, I just didn't, I wasn't sure it was worth it probably. You know, I just thought, live a boring life and do those steps and be like those people in church or something. It wouldn't be worth it. You know, but when I really wanted to do them and I wanted to recover and I was willing to participate, you know, for a long time, I was just looking for everybody else to fix me. And when I was willing to actually do what they said to do, and it just got better. And it was kind of weird. Uh, I got an assignment. Everybody said when I got to this one base that you can stay there forever. And people just rot at this base. And I had a short term. I thought I'd stay. Uh, shortly, I got orders to Germany. Picked up my wife. You know, we got married because I had to go fast. And we went over there, and there was very little AA. But, you know... I think the biggest lesson that taught me that the people that were there had just a couple months of sobriety. There was only three of them. Uh, there had been a big meeting and they had fallen out because of a flagrant, just uh, you know, just total in blowing away of the traditions. I mean, they weren't even close. It wasn't like they were rationalizing it. It was like we don't do those here, and so they all suffered the consequences. Unfortunately, uh, we got there and we had no experience. I, we didn't have any experience of being married. She was a year sober. I was three years sober. I was really just starting, in my own opinion, and I was still a little crazy. Uh, but it works, you know, this, the, the big book, the principles, going to meetings, it works. It doesn't say it works if you're having a great time. There weren't a lot of young people. It wasn't a real popular thing to do in Germany. All they'd be are to get sober. They weren't having fun when they came here. They weren't happy. Uh, but there was a lot of people there that, that had to come for a little while, and they really didn't have a choice on who would sponsor them, which is great. I'd emphasize sponsor and just kind of smirk, because I was the only one that they could sponsor, have as a sponsor, you know? But I never say that. You know, I let them figure that out. you got to have... Generally, we suggest over a year. Everybody else had six months. I've got three years. So they'd have me as their sponsor, begrudgingly. A lot of them didn't like me from the start, as Brad pointed out. Uh, you get some macho people in the Army, you know, and here I am, 140 pounds, maybe 150 pounds in the Air Force, which, let's face it, I in the Air Force because I didn't want to fight anything. You know, I'll fight with a computer any day, but I nothing that shoots. Don't give me a gun because I'll drop it. You know, I just, I'm not going to get shot at. Come on. Uh, but those people... I had no experience sponsoring people, but I, you know, I had the experience my sponsor had shown with me. And we started doing the steps in their lives. And we started going to meetings and we started doing service work. Uh, I'd commit all of us in a heartbeat. They were all my pigeons, right, in the group. So my group could do anything because I tell them they had to do it. You know, uh, we did uh, different service jobs and I got to know the guys. I think what's really weird is I had heard people talk around in AA on how they were and not regretting it. And I thought, it's not fair to say that, that I hurt little children, because I did, when I was thinking quite often to get out of the house, I'd babysit and totally ignore some little screaming kid, because I was partying. And I thought, that was wrong. But I actually wished, when I was talking to these guys, I got to know them so well and to care for them so much. Uh, one of them had a problem where he had done something with someone else's wife, and he was telling me this, and I thought, I wish I had had that experience. 
Even though I knew it would be incredibly painful, I wish that had happened to me so I could share with him now a little closer than I'm going to be able to. You know, I shared an experience that I had heard of, you know, of course, not giving any names. And I also told him my experiences with things of that nature. And I just really cared about those people. And before that, when I was little, you know, when I look back, I only cared about me and the way things affected me. Even my parents, you know, people you're supposed to love. My little sister one time said, Carl, you're tearing this family apart. And if you love me, you would stop drinking. And I swore at her. And she cried and left. That's because I didn't care about her. And I thought, this is my answer. You're, you're thinking about taking away my livelihood. Like, well, might as well just kill me now. You know, and that's the way I felt. And I, I had lost concern for people. And through sponsorship, I really, I learned how to really love people and try to help them regardless. You know, at first there was a lot of ego involved because, just because that's the way I am, I suppose. But I started caring for them and I would tell them to do things that I knew was best for them, that I knew probably they wouldn't do and probably they would fire me. Or they would get, you know, they would not do it and we would fight and uh, I would become unpopular because that's kind of a hard-nosed sponsor. And I did it because that's what I thought was right, you know. And I started actually having a little fiber that I had always seen in other people. And uh, I was always wanted to be, a, quote, a man of my word. You know, uh, AA has done that for me. You know, when I was drinking, my word was useless. Uh, most people had given up on listening. I was the type, my dad, I, was, I could barely walk and say, you've been drinking? I'd say no. You know, I don't know why I said no. I wasn't a pathetic liar. I just thought, well, I was pathetic, but not pathological or whatever. I just thought it was the right thing to say, and my word meant nothing. And in AA, now, if I say I'm going to do something, I'll do it. Uh, I'm trying to loosen up a little bit these days in AA. We went back. They, I got out of the Air Force and we went back to where I, I think I joined AA in Nebraska. Things have gotten really uh, different. Once again, unfortunately, back there, you, you've got to be sober quite a while before you'll ask to be a sponsor. And uh, I don't have any guys right now. Uh, we're always looking, but I'm working with my sponsor for the first time in a way Everybody else that's been sober eight years has had a sponsor for seven or eight years, and I'm trying to get close to my sponsor. Uh, my last birthday, I just had a birthday about a month ago, and he gave me a card, and he was kind of a rigid person. He's always, they call him Rigid Reggie, and he always wrote uh, on my birthday cards, in the like, love in the fellowship Reggie on his cards. And this time it just said, your friend Reggie. And to me, that meant a lot, knowing Reggie. Uh, we're not the type that would meet for what mix up. He was also from Connecticut, but he was from, I don't know if they're slums or something, but they're not really the place I had ever even gone to. Uh, he's black. He's been sober like 13 years. He's a sports fanatic. I never did the sports thing, as Brad pointed out. I'm into computers. And we're not the type to be friends. And it's it wasn't like we were friends and then he started sponsoring me. You know, it was the closeness we have is just because of AA and sponsorship. You know, there's nothing at all that, that I can't tell him. And... Even on my best day when I was drinking, I knew there were secrets that I would never tell anybody. And it wasn't things I had done. I was just a little kid. It was just me. You know, I wasn't ever going to tell anybody about me, that I was afraid of everybody or whatever. There were just many things. And I can tell him anything today. Absolutely anything. Uh, I think, I, well, when I was partying, the reason why I had the friends I had was because we were committed to partying. And I think if you really look at one of the differences between alcoholics and non-alcoholics or whatever is that they're not committed, you know. They get fired from a job, they stop. You know, they don't even get to the point where they get fired from a job. I was committed, really committed to partying. I lost everything. You know, if anybody had done to me what I did to myself through partying, drinking and stuff, I would have killed them. I mean, it would have been the worst thing. They, they took everything from me. I didn't have much, but it was all gone. And I believe for myself that I have to be that committed to AA. Uh, 
I guess Saturday, I'm going to close with this, it's kind of odd, but Saturday, I'm going to go see a friend and he's, I'm going to try to help him with his computer. Because he says, you're a computer person, would you come help me? And probably six months ago, I would have said no, because he's got a weird computer that I have never done anything with and I don't know anything about his computer. But instead of explaining that and rejecting helping him, he would see it as a no. He wouldn't see it as an explanation. And I'm going to go help him and I probably won't actually do the job. He wants his printer to work and his printer probably won't work. But I said yes, just because, so he could hear that yes. You know, my sponsor has said, I always had a zillion excuses. I had a, a brother pigeon ask me to do something. I said no because I didn't believe in it. It was getting up during a meeting and I thought I shouldn't. Uh, my job is to not think, I think, in a lot of ways. Uh, when I think, I can rationalize anything. And my sponsor has taught me that you, it's like, it's okay to think. He, we tried to not think. Thinking's okay as long as it's directed towards you. You know, any thinking that was directed towards me, it gets screwed up, because I think screwed up. You know, uh, I would just like to thank the committee for inviting me. It's it's actually been great. I, I think it's only natural that I love Roundups, because I love alcoholics. Even when I was drinking, I loved al alcoholics, because we're exciting. Uh, we are. I mean, if you look around, uh, I've gone to other conventions, not really conventions, but I'm in a business. They, they send you places. You scream in the hallways, and they really think you're weird. You know, uh, you shake someone's hand more than once and they look at you strange. You know, uh, here, I can really, I just, you know, you just, anybody I see, I walk up to someone I've never seen before and they're wearing the badge and I, you know, you just know what they're like. You know, you just, there's something about it. And I'm really glad to be here and sober. Thank you.